great future. We're talking real money. Hi again. Welcome to the daily podcast of Talking Real Money. I am Don McDonald. I'm the host of all these things. I've been hosting radio stuff and podcast stuff for 33 years, I think now. 30, almost 34 years. When I when you count the time I spent in local radio doing a general kind of political talk show. Well, we're here to talk about money. We're here to talk about investing, particularly, and you are welcome to participate. I know you have questions from time to time because you call in several of them. And yet, right now, we're out of questions. We ran clear through all of them. So your opportunity to get moved right up to the front of the line is here now at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Ask your question. We'll put it on the podcast. I'll give you an answer as best I can and um, try to help people out with your questions and my answers. Today, we're going to take a sent-in question. It's actually a pretty good question. It's kind of interesting. Oh, uh, there, that that's that's Tom calling while I'm trying to do the podcast. Excuse me for just a minute. I'll be right back. Okay, that wasn't a call worth putting on the air, so we'll just move on. Anyway, what was I saying before we were so rudely interrupted? <laughs> oh, Today, the topic of the day, I read a headline uh, in Bloomberg Business Week that I just loved, so I thought I would kind of elaborate on it. Here's the headline. If passive funds are iPhones, active ones are landlines. <laughs> it seems kind of appropriate. Yeah, yeah, active fund management is just, it's not what everybody wanted you to believe it was. Moody's Investor Services actually stated that active mutual funds are to landlines as passive funds are to mobile phones. That's the analogy. And actually, it's a pretty appropriate analogy when you think about it. I mean, a few people still cling to that comfort of the old-fashioned copper landline. Not many, but a few. And uh, they've gone from being the communication rule in the world to really the exception. I still have one, but I only have it because I've had it for a long time and because I have a discount on my Internet service that's almost identical to the phone line. So I really haven't even bothered to turn it off, even though I don't think I've had a phone plugged into that line for three or four years. It could, I'm sure that it's answering service is just overflowing. Probably stop taking stuff because I haven't answered that phone. I can't even remember the last time. But let's get back to active funds. It is a well-known absolute fact that actively managed mutual funds cannot, in aggregate, beat the market. It is a mathematical certainty. But when you add to that, tons of academic research that's been done over the past decade or two that shows that actively managed mutual funds that do occasionally outperform their benchmarks do so because they're lucky. In other words, their outperformance is more likely related to just dumb luck, just what you'd see if you flipped a coin, than any kind of skill. Now, of course, think about the, the name Bloomberg. Bloomberg, those are machines that brokers use. The Bloomberg article tries to defend that old Wall Street business model, and you would expect that from a company whose core livelihood, I mean, 
Michael Bloomberg's billions came from stockbrokers' machines. But the example they used in this article was so weak. It was just terrible. I'll tell you about it. Here's what they used to illustrate it. They said active fund managers still perform well, and they cited a mutual fund from Franklin Templeton called Templeton Global Bond. Now, this fund, they said, well, it gained 2.4% in 2018, while the overall bond market only returned 1.3%. Well, that's only a part of the story, as is so typical. When you dig deeper into all the facts about the fund, you find that, sure, it's outperformed its benchmark. It has, and pretty darn consistently. Is it because of brilliance or something else? Well, when you look at the portfolio, you find that over 25% of the assets in the Templeton Global Bond Fund are what are called below investment grade, below triple B. 25%. That's Those are junk bonds. Junk bonds whereas the index against which they're measured has zero junk. Then there's this other thing that goes into the risk-reward equation and its volatility. That really is the thing that scares people out of the market, is how volatile something can be. And if you're looking for safety and security and comfort, you want low volatility, and that's measured by a thing called standard deviation. The lower the standard deviation, the less something moves. Uh, a price of a security that moved not at all, never. For example, a certificate of deposit at the bank that you can't trade has a zero standard deviation. It doesn't move. Uh, treasury securities have a very low standard deviation, generally speaking. Uh, the shorter the maturity, the lower the standard deviation. Now, the index, that which is a broad-based index of short, intermediate, and long-term bonds, corporate, and government, has a standard deviation of 3.2% or had a standard deviation of 3.2% over the last 15 years. That Templeton Global Bond Fund had a standard deviation of over 7%, more than twice as volatile. Here is the truth. Active investing has been killed. It's dead. But Wall Street just refuses to pull the plug. And seriously, Tom is calling again while I'm doing the podcast. I'm going to leave this in the podcast because I find it fascinating. Hello? <laughs> what? Is this a pocket dial? Oh, my gosh. It's a pocket dial. Seriously. All right. I think I'll hang up now. <laughs> this is a good podcast. Okay, uh, now on to the, oh, this is the call portion of the program. No one's there. Give us, except Tom, give me a call, 855-935-TALK, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And for those of you who don't listen to the longer podcast, you know, both of you, uh, Tom's my co-host on the weekends and my partner at Vestory. <laughs> the guy who calls me a lot. Okay, where are we going? Oh, we're going to the question of the day sent in through the website. Sent in through Talking Real Money. Here it is. It's from Mark. I'd love to hear a little of your history with Paul Merriman on your podcast. Also, what do you know about and think of Paul's market timing? Thanks for the shows. I never miss one. 
Thanks, Mark. Paul Merriman. Love Paul Merriman. Paul Merriman is a fascinating person. Uh, and uh, I owe a lot to Paul. Paul's really done a lot of good things for me. And uh, although our, we go way back, we go way back. Paul used to listen to my show all the time when I was nationally syndicated and on a little tiny station in Seattle, although I was hugely popular for some reason on this little tiny station. And Paul, one day, and I don't remember all the details, but I, I did my show from my house, like, like I do now. And uh, there was a knock on the door. I went down and answered the door. And there, I lived in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Paul lived on Bainbridge Island. I, 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 that's a long way between the two places. And, uh, I go down and there's Paul Merriman at the door. Hey, Don, want to take you to lunch? So I go to lunch with him and he talks to me about his timing system. And I say, thank you, but I hate market timing. Well, it's a very conservative form of market timing. It's more about keeping you out of the market. And I said, still hate it because what's the point of keeping your money out of the market at times when the market goes up more than it goes down. And so we agreed at that point to disagree. That was back when Paul was just a market timer. Well, fast forward many years, Paul has now discovered the science of investing. The, the Harry Markowitz, Paul Samuelson, uh, Merton, Fama, French, you know, the, all these academics and Nobel Prize winners who've discovered that you can create portfolios that balance risk and reward by using different asset classes, and you can enhance your, your reward somewhat, and you can reduce your risk by having non slightly non-correlating asset classes. And, and, so, and a good friend of mine who owns some radio stations, Tom Cock, the guy who just called, was also working for Paul. So they sent me all of this information. And it was, for me, an epiphany. It was a huge epiphany. I saw right then that just like I didn't think some of what Paul thought was right, a lot of what I believed was wrong, particularly when it came to active money management, I thought that there were smart people. I no longer believe that there are smart money managers. And uh, this, this data, this research went a long way toward convincing me of that. So Paul changed the way I thought. I think we changed the way each other thought slightly. And we've both had an impact on one another. And I still, to this day, think the world of Paul Merriman. Talk to him often. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I plan to eventually incorporate his Sound Investing podcast into our new streaming radio station, uh, Real Money Talk Radio. And so we'll have us all on there. We're, we're one big happy family, the Merrimans and the McDonald's. We've been on cruises together. We're good friends. We've worked together. I worked with him at Merriman. And uh, we still hang out together from time to time to today. Great guy. Love Paul to pieces. I hope that answered your question. Don't think much of market timing. And he really doesn't do much of that anymore. I don't even know if he still does it. I should ask him. Thanks for the note. I really appreciate it. And because of the extended nature of this show, in large part due to Tom's calls, we're not going to do a phrase or a word of the day. We're going to just go to the weekend. And uh, for those of you in the Seattle area, I will be doing my show or our show, but I'm doing it alone on Como 
Tom's not doing it with me because he didn't want to drive into Seattle for a 25-minute show because we're preempted after that by a basketball game. So it'll be a short podcast next week from the weekend to go with the daily ones. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please spread the word. Tell everybody you know about this podcast, about all of our stuff, and go visit TalkingRealMoney.com. If you haven't been there yet, there's a lot of great stuff there. If you need to talk to an advisor, we'll set up an appointment with you to talk to one, and it doesn't cost anything, and they're not going to try and sell you anything. Uh, If you want to get our advisor interview form, it's there. If you want to take our risk quiz, find out what your risk tolerance is, it's there. It's all free. And ask anybody, we don't pressure you into doing stuff. We just don't believe in that. There's no point. When you're doing the right thing, you don't have to pressure people. They just come to you. They, They beat a path to your door because they go, whoa, honesty? Wow, this is unique. Always a fiduciary? Seriously, always a fiduciary? Thanks for being there. Remember to give us a call, 855-935-TALK, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now? 